0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I, am, I am much more of a Scandinavian kind of personality. I'm like, yeah, woo, So I appreciate Chris backing me up a little bit. I really appreciate it. And I don't have a ton of time, um, so I just want to get right into it. And I just want to ask, has anyone ever had the question, is it possible? Has anyone ever asked you that, like, is this really possible? Okay, well, if someone says it's not possible, I'm kind of like, all right, you're right, see ya, I'm not even gonna try. Whereas some people are like, really, you think so? How much you wanna bet I can do it? Come on, how much you wanna bet I can do it? And that was a guy in England in the 40s and 50s. Um, You see, for decades, people would try and run a mile under four minutes, but it was, quote-unquote, impossible. The words, it can't be done, echoed throughout, like, for decades around the world, because no one could get across the finish line under four minutes. It was impossible. People told him, nope, no chance. But there was one guy who was like, alright, bring it on. 24-year-old named Roger Bannister in Oxford, England, said, you know what, I'm going to study the mechanics. He was a med student, so he probably had some form of intelligence. Uh, He was like, all right, I'm going to study mechanics. I'm going to run. I'm a great runner. I'm going to beat this thing. And as you guys might imagine, 1955, in an iconic race, he burst across the finish line at 3 minutes, 59 seconds, and 3 one-hundredths of a second. So he was 0.7 seconds, but he did it. He did it, all right? So Okay, so you're probably thinking, great story, Derek. Awesome. What does that mean for us? Glad you asked. Um. You see, as Chris was saying, God's really been speaking to me about this verse. I I heard it a couple weeks ago. I was like, man, something in me is just moving. I believe someone in this sanctuary today really is going to benefit from it. And I just really want you to grab a hold of it. Uh, God's really been changing my message throughout the weeks. The notes might not perfectly correspond to what I'm saying. The answers are on there. So if you want to grab that, you can. But Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary in his heart. Can I tell you guys something? Each and every one of us have a brilliant opportunity before us every single day. You see, as I was reading this passage and reflecting upon what God was saying to me, he he came to me and said, you know what? Every one of us is meant to run a race. Every single one of us. I don't care if you're in this room and you've, like, never had anything to do with Jesus or if you've been a Christian for decades. Every single one of us is called to run the race. And the race is life. The race is our life dedicated to God. You see, every one of us is running whether we know it or not. Some of us are trying to run to other things. Some of us are trying to run to rise up in our career. Some of us are running as far away from Jesus as possible because we've been really hurt by the, by someone in the past who called himself a Christian. You know, and every single one of us is running, but I believe God's asking us to run his race, the race he wants for us. And that race is one that's filled with life and truth and richness. It's the best single life you could imagine running his race and it's uniquely designed for each and every one of us you see you guys are going to do things that i can't do i'm not called to do god's calling each and every one of us to do something for him that can only be done by us it's a unique race my race looks a lot different than pastor chris's my race looks a lot different than all of yours but regardless god has made that race for me and he's calling me to run my race And it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance race out for us. See last week Chris talked about uh, all of these people in Hebrews eleven. I call it the Hall of Faith. Like these people like Noah and Abraham, all these iconic people who are super famous for just having this crazy faith. I mean, if I saw my neighbor building a huge like boat out in my neighborhood, I'd be like alright, I'm going to stay away from him. He's a little a little crack. But the reality is that like, he knew that God was calling him to do this, and he chased it. He was iconic for his faith. But the reality is that even though Noah probably faced some persecution, I got to believe he knows that God comes through. All these people in that chapter, they are witnesses to what God can do when we're faithful. It's showing God's faithfulness. And he's saying, okay, since they experienced it, we can experience the same thing. You know, some of you might be thinking, like, I'm new to this faith thing. Some of you are like, I've been in this whole thing. Like, I know God might come through. There are witnesses showing that God does come through. And so with that, we're called to run the race. And that's really where I want to park it. I dressed up in all of my track uniform, except I didn't really run in khakis and nice shoes. But, you know, the point remains the same. Um, Because this race is so important. And I think some of us get sidetracked about, Okay, like, what does this race mean? And how do we run it? And thankfully, the verse comes through and it explains exactly what we need to do. Verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider it him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary from his heart. Now, do we have any runners in here? Does anyone, like, run for leisure? Or... They're like the next Roger Bannister. Nobody? Okay. Okay, well, Chris, Chris just said he wants to run the next Twin Cities Marathon, so you guys all heard him. Um, you see, when I was running in high school, I always needed to know where I was going. I would need to know where I was going to go, and then I was going to turn around, if it was going to be a roundabout route where we just ran, but we ended up back at the school. And one day, my wonderful track coach said, we're going to sharpen the saber, which was his metaphor for saying... It's going to hurt today, boys. And so I was I, I was getting ready for practice, and he's like, all right, we're going to do a hill workout today. And I was thinking, perfect. A hill workout is basically where you find the biggest hill in Sartell. You sprint up it as fast as you can. And when you get to the top, you turn around, you do a light jog back down. And as soon as you hit the bottom, you sprint back up at race pace, as, as, as much as he tells you to, to do it. And normally he says, okay, we're going to do that four or five times, and it hurts and you're sore and all that good stuff. But this time he said... I'm not going to tell you when we're stopped that we're going to go until I tell you to stop. And I was like, oh, perfect. And the reality is, I thought that was just a a physical thing, but, you know, that really is a spiritual metaphor for our lives. You know, because I didn't run that well that day. I didn't know where I was going. So inevitably I went into preservation mode. Like, I ran hard, but I didn't run race pace until he said, okay, last one. And that's when I gave it my all. And the reality is that this passage is saying to fix your eyes on Jesus. That is our destination. No matter what you want to do in your life, no matter what your race is, no matter where you're at, you need to have that as your focal point. You know, if I'm going to really grow my faith, Pastor Chris is great. But if I really want to run my race, I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. That's got to be my main thing. And so, the same applies to all of us. Because Jesus, even though he's the perfecter and the pioneer of our faith, it says he also like you said, perfects it. He, he helps us along the way. You know, you might be going through your race, metaphorically, and you hit a wall. The wall is that point when you're like, I can't do it anymore, you're just going, and then you like realize your wife's watching, you're like, okay, I'm good again. And so you go as fast as you can, but the reality is when you hit that wall, nothing within you wants to keep going, nothing. You just want to stop because it's comfortable. And that's when Jesus is saying, okay, I know it's hard. I know you don't want to do this. I know people are making fun of you because you're a Jesus follower, but I'm going to do something powerful in their lives because you are a testament to what I'm doing. You might be getting made fun of at your school. You might be getting fun of in in, in your careers, whatever it is, but the reality is that they're going to see something is different about you. They are going to see that you have life, you have joy, you have peace within you when nothing else makes sense. And you might be getting made fun of, but the reality is that if you keep running your race, if you keep going, you're going to get to that finish line, and they're going to know something's different, and you might be able to lead them to Jesus. And it's not just about other people. This is your race. Maybe God's calling you to do something within the church. Maybe he's calling you to ministry. I have no idea. Only you know. But the reality is that there is one person, one deity, one thing that you need to make sure you have right in front of you, and that is Jesus. Jesus that is the crucial step and some of you in here might be like you know what I understand what you're saying that's good all good but you know what I've tried this Jesus thing before and it did not work I'm not going to pretend to know I know what's going on in your life I don't know what you've been through but I can tell you Jesus walks the walk he had his race too he knew when he was coming it was going to end his finish line was on the cross that was his finish line and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's sitting there on his knees and he is crying out tears of blood because he knows what he's about to experience. And he did that even while you hated him, even while you wanted nothing to do with him, he did it because he wanted to give you the fullest life. And this is, the gospel is not a guilt-driven gospel. It's not to make you feel bad so you can come to him. It's he loved you that much that he would go through all that for you. And the same thing is for all of us Christians who have maybe been Christians for a while. We also need to not forget that the one crucial cornerstone of everything we do is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So that's all good. It's all wonderful. But how do we do it? I, I, if I just walked off the stage right now, you'd probably be like, sweet. Great motivating words. Appreciate it, man. Have a good Labor Day. Woo! But I want to give you something that is tangible. You see, when I was thinking about this, I think what really helped me early on, and even through my toughest times, was the community around me. I always had people that were uplifting and encouraging me. And that was crucial to me. I didn't know how to read the Bible, I didn't know how to pray, but it was just a mentor of mine that said, you know what, try reading the try reading, try reading. It's to easier to read. it's how you pray." and that helped me huge. But I really think what this passage is alluding to, that if we want to truly run our race to the best of our ability, we have to get rid of those things that are weighing us down. It says to strip off all of, all sins and the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, some of it's subliminal. Some of it's like, you know what, I'm realize I was struggling with that. I mean, there's always the big sins that we all know of that we're like, oh man, I need to stop doing that. But there's always some of those things that within our spirit, they just, they don't sit right. And as I was praying through this, I, I, just, I just felt God just taking things off. If I was going for a run right now, if I was going to run my 800-meter dash, I'd get rid of this watch. I don't need a GPS. Run faster now. If I'm going to get in the zone, I'm going to run as fast as I can. I'm going to run my race hard. don't need music anymore. in the zone. You see, if we're going to run our race... We're gonna do what God's calling us to do. We need to strip off all of that fingers. Resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, comparison, that's a big one for me. I'm not just I'm not just saying all this fancy stuff, it's true in my life. For the past few months I have really struggled to try and do things. I wanna I wanna make a difference. I wanna run my race. But the reality is that I had my comparison. I had my people pleasing. And God was saying, Derek, focus right here. You don't need anything else. Community is great, but I'm going to be in the midst of that community. He's saying, all right, focus on me. I can carry you through this race. And then that's when I can run the race to the best of my ability. And as Chris comes up in a little bit, we're just going to play one motivating video. Will you fight? No! We will run!
0: And we will live! Shame on you! This could be the greatest night of our lives. But you're gonna
1: let it be the worst.
0: And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. Well, I'm not going home. We've come too far! And I'm gonna stay right here and fight for this lost cause. A day may come. When the courage of men fails. But it is not this
1: day. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You're going to work harder than you ever worked before. But that's fine. We'll just get tougher with it. If a person grits his teeth, and shows real determination.
0: Failure is not an option. That's how winning is done. Believe me when I say we can break this army here.
1: And win just one for the Gipper.
0: But I say to you, what every warrior has known since the beginning of time... You've got to get mad. I mean, plumb mad dog, mean. If you would be free men, then you must fight to fulfill
1: that promise. Let us cut
0: out their living guts one inch at a time.
1: And they will know what we can do.
0: Let no man forget how menacing we are. We are lions.
1: You're like a big bear, man. This
0: is your time. Seize the day. Never surrender. Victory or death. Butch, this your vision. With me! Clap! Clap, government him guy! Clap! All right! Let's fly! And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall know oh, my name is the Lord. Lord! But I tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our Independence Day! that race man come on now hey kudos to Pastor Derek for sharing can we give him a hand as well nice job man we're, g- we're gonna wrap it up I just want to share a few things and uh, we'll invite the team up here in a little bit um, this is what I want to say I just thought of Hebrews chapter 13 uh, we'll go there in just a minute but uh, so far these 13 chapters that have made up this book has really started in the beginning started more of a of an essay, and then really in the middle, it became kind of a sermon, and then the end here is really more of like some personal application from the author, and again, we don't know who the author is, there's a lot of speculation, it really doesn't matter, we don't know who it was, and it most likely was not Paul, if you believe that, um, just, just look at it, it's interesting to see the differences, but uh, how many know, like when you talk to somebody, when you communicate with somebody, when you complete a message, and any of that, the last few parts are kind of the most important. The ending, the conclusion. Like, what do you leave with somebody? What do they hold on to? What, if you go, man, if you forget everything today, here's the thing to think on. Here's the thing to hold on to. That—that's like what the author is trying to do here in the end of Hebrews chapter 13. My wife and I, we have—we just figured it out yesterday. We have known each other for how many years was it? Did we say like, we, t- 23 years? I think we started dating 23 years ago. I'm going, yeah, no, come on, yeah. We're still together, you know. We were mean to each other sometimes, and uh, when we dated, I, I didn't even ask my wife permission to share this story. And uh, hopefully, I have it. We'll find it later. And uh, I was up working at a at a camp, and I received this letter. She remembers the story, and uh, <laughs> um, I, I get it, and it was. By the way, for younger generation, a letter is—excuse uh, me if i assume um its on like paper, and so I get this letter in the mail, and not email, like real mail that takes a couple days to receive. And I open it up, and and it starts off saying, and I don't remember exactly the words, but the beginning of the letter were like, you know what? I just don't think it's working out with you. There's another guy, and I'm like, what? And I was like in tears. I was just like what what and i was just heartbroken and you know you remember your teenage years what that was like right and and i'm going what do i do and so i give it to a friend of mine that i worked with and and he's reading through the letter and he's laughing and i'm like what what's wrong with you man like you're like sick or something you know like i'm going through this awful time man and he's like read it to the end chris okay so i read this whole thing this is the meanest thing Malik's ever done. And I get to the end, and it said, oh, by the way, I'm just joking. I'm like, what? What? Did I have your permission to share that? No. All right, so here's what I want to do. The end of it is this. In Hebrews chapter 13, let's read the first three verses. Here we go. Put it on the screen for you. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by some doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels. Without knowing it, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And if you continue to read on it, I encourage you to read the rest of Hebrews chapter 13. He kind of does like the shotgun approach, okay, of many different aspects. He gets into marriage. He gets in, into just a, a lot of different things within, to, within the church context. Let me just take three out of this, uh, this scripture. First is this. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Now, this is the NIV version. I I have a little bone to pick with the NIV. On occasion, the NIV does a disjustice to the Greek. And actually, in the Greek right here, it does not say sister. It's not general neutral. It says brotherly love. That's that's literally what it says in the Greek. And the reason that's important is brotherly love doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean between two brothers. It means between Christians. Okay? And so... Then NIV trying to get us to understand that. And so this brotherly love is something that we offer each other. We do life together. We stand hand in hand together when you are running the race. It is so much easier to run a race with somebody than by yourself. One of my kids does track, and it's easier for him if there's somebody by him to motivate him to continue on. And so we have to love each other. We have to lift each other up. That's what brotherly love is. In fact, it's, it's essentially a mark of a disciple. It says, if you love each other, if you love each other, then they'll know. They'll know that you love, you know, they'll know that you're Christians by your love for each other, by what you do for each other. And so this love is showing a demonstration of compassion beyond anything that we've seen. And it's an indication that we actually practice a spiritual life, that we love each other. Next thing he says here, number two, is do not forget. In other translations it says continue. Do not forget or continue implies that they're already doing this. They're already doing this. It's not like, hey man, you guys stink at loving people, go do it. He's saying, you already love each other, continue on. Don't give up, don't give up. I I have to be honest, sometimes you can be running that race you can be communicating with people within the community. You can be inviting them to church. You can be inviting that spouse or that family member, and they're like, man, I'm never gonna go. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. I've invited people here. They helped do our construction. We came in the building. They said, I'll never come to church service. You know who I invite every year? Them, because I'm not giving up. That's what we're called to do. We are called to love, to continue on, to not give up. Um, no matter how much we have shown love in the past continue to show it. And it's, it's kind of like the faith and the works. Love without action is also dead. And so we have to show people how do we love them. Last one I want to share is this, and that is hospitality towards others. Here in verse 3, it says, continue to remember those. And then right before it, it says, for by some people have shown, shown what? Hospitality. Hospi- what is hospitality? You ever... Thought about that? We have a hospitality team here. They do great. They cook up those homemade donuts every Sunday. They're good. They grind. I'm not. Not. I'm kidding about the donuts, but they actually grind the coffee. Okay, it's hand ground. It's people that have worked in coffee shops. They know what they're doing, and they do a great job. So I've heard. I don't drink coffee, but that's where it's at. Um, hospitality literally means a love for a stranger. Okay, a love for somebody you don't know. A love for somebody maybe you don't get along with. A love for somebody that you, you have no connection with at all. And so why do, we, why do we practice it? Why should we? Well, should we do it just because an angel might show up? Should we do that? No, that shouldn't be the motivation. It should be out of love and while we're running our race. Because as we're running our race, there will be people watching you the whole time, looking at you. How you run that race going, I want to be a part of that. I want to know what they're doing. I want to know what is this church thing about? continue to love, continue to show that. Heather and I, um, when we started the church, I was delivering pizzas for Domino's, and I uh, did that to help supplement our income as we started. And I remember one night on my way home, uh, actually not on the way home to her parents' house, we lived with them for ten months while we started the church. You want to test your faith, man? Yeah. And uh, love your mom and dad, they're watching. And uh, I, I. Uh, on that night home, there was a car right at the corner of Pedersen Drive and Highway 47. As you turn left on the Pedersen Drive, there was a car stranded right there. And uh, I, I drove by, and just this this little, you know, voice in my head, I think we call it God, I said, you need to stop and fill up gas for that person. I'm like, they're fine, whatever. And I kept driving by, and I went home. And I got home, and, uh, you know, even went, went over to Domino's, went back home, and, Um, I was driving and my in-laws live in Andover and so on the way to Andover that that voice would not shut up and I'm like, I don't even know this person I don't know their story it's embarrassing, it's weird and the the voice was just it wasn't a guilt trip but it was like, Chris, this person needs help they need to know that somebody loves somebody actually gives a crud and so I said, all right, and so I went home I grabbed two big things of gas for whatever reason I felt like I was supposed to bring gas with And I went to their car. I wasn't doing it so that maybe it's an angel I'm entertaining. That wasn't why. I was just trying to obey God. And I had, you might think sacrifice of giving gas. That was not the sacrifice. The sacrifice was on the way home from Domino's. They gave me leftover pizza and cheesy bread. And I gave it to the man. That is sacrifice, okay? Now, some of you know my favorite pizza place is closing. We're not going to talk about that because I want to end on a happy note. But the uh, Domino's pizza, not my favorite, okay, but it's pizza. I will eat it. And, and I gave that to this man, and he just had tears in his eyes. He's like, how did you know that I needed gas? And, and I, you know, he's saying, I don't have money for groceries right now and this and that. And it, and it blessed him. I don't know if he was an angel. I'll never know. Um, but it was showing a stranger that you love them, that you care. That's what we get to do as a church. As Derek was saying, we get to run that race. And so here's my encouragement to you this morning. I'm going to invite the, the team on up. Is this, continue to love each other within the church, but then take that outside of our context. Take that outside of these four walls. You know, don't, don't just let it go in one ear and out the other of going, well, oh man, I'm going to continue on showing love. Do it to others. Do it to strangers. Invite that person that you might think will never want to come. You'll be surprised. In fact, studies show 85% of the people you invite will come. 85%. So if you can handle 15% rejection, and in my dating life, it was way higher than that. So it's good, okay? So I'm just saying. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.